1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
2: Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. It's the weirdest thing I've ever had the misfortune to see. <laughs> Mackey and Judd. Yeah, I, I'd say it's top five. On 1500 ESPA. Hey! I want a scoop, baby. All right, Mackie and Judd, Darren Doogie Wolfson for his weekly scoop session with us. If you want long-form scoopage and great interviews with top names in Minnesota sports, Doogie has one of the best sports podcasts in the Twin Cities. It's just called The Scoop, and you can find it on 1500ESPN.com. You can find
3: it on KSDP.com. anywhere you would find podcasts. What's up, Doogie? Good morning, gentlemen. TGIF, a new episode will post like in an hour, hour and a half. Just got done with a couple conversations. J.B. Bickerstaff, Janelle McCarvel, Gary Trent Sr. will also be on this episode. And then I have any number of notes that I'll also unleash. So, yeah, I have to finish that up right when I'm done with you guys. before I need to get to Wolves practice at 12.15, and then Derek Wetmore will do me the favor of posting that podcast in the next hour or two. Well,
2: let's start on, on – so you chatted with McCarville. And so we had, we had Waylon on our show. She's a Monday guest on our show, and it's been great. We talk hoops with her, talk life. And we, we asked her flat out, hey, you know, I know that the Gophers job isn't open yet. This is 72 hours before she agreed and, and the note came out. The press conference was announced. And she she played it off like, well, maybe when I'm done playing at some point. I mean, it was a poker face if she didn't know. So now that we've had time to digest this, uh, Judd and I love it. We think it's great. Um, she's learned from Gino Ariema and Cheryl Reeve, two of the best in the world. What have you picked up on it? You talked to Janelle McCarville.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, even Janelle said that she knew days ago that Lindsay had thrown her hat into the ring, so... My sense is, I don't have the exact timing, but she joined you at what, like 11? About this time slot? On Monday. It on was Monday. like 9.30 on Monday. Yeah, I think she's Actually, a good poker player. it was 9.30 on Monday because, okay. because she had, it was supposed to be 10, but she had a meeting at 10 o'clock oh, that yeah, she couldn't miss. Maybe the meeting Mark was office. The Well, what I don't know, I need to connect the dots. <laughs> yeah. I'll connect the dots at the 3 o'clock news conference. I'll head over there and talk to some folks. So I'll try to connect those dots. Did her agent Boros... I think it's Boris or Boris. I forget how you say his first name. He's got some Russian. Scott ties. Boris <laughs> is her agent. No, 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 it's not Scott Boris. He's, he's, again, he's me, got he's some Russian. Five, five, I don't want to five, eight, no He's more. got Russian yeah. ties too, yeah. Lindsay. <laughs> Careful, Lindsay. Anyway, yeah, she's she's been with Boris for I, I assume it's Boris for for a long time. But anyway, I don't know if he then reached out and she wasn't aware, or if she had reached out herself, maybe to say, "Hey, I'm interested. I'll I'll try to connect those dots." But but Janelle said she knew days ago. That Lindsay had thrown her hat into the ring. My sense is... Now, I know internally they kicked around some names. The woman who was coaching at the University of Buffalo was kicked around. I don't know if it got to the point of calling her agent. But I know internally with Julie Manning, some other people with the U, that name came up. Ivy, the assistant coach at Notre Dame. She came up. But again, I don't know if it got to the point of reaching out to the agent for those women. I mean, my sense is Mark Coyle's top target was was Lindsey. And once again, I mean, you can criticize Mark Coyle all you want, but I told you this after the Motzko hiring. Heck, I told you this after the Fleck hiring. Mark Coyle nails these coach searches. I like this move. It is a strength. I mean, it's a great... It's a a move that's going to uh,
4: uh, spark ticket sales immediately. PR-wise, it's great. And, And I, you know... Okay, it doesn't work. It, then it doesn't work. But it's not like this is a heritage women's basketball program that she's going to somehow drag down. You know, you, you get these notes about it's a Big Ten program. And, okay, and they've had some nice runs. But this is not a program where where it's this 15 years of greatness and now you're, you're taking a big chance. From their perspective, I think it's
3: really smart. I'm okay with it. I mean, they have one big dance win in what? The last nine years. So you're right. The bar is pretty darn low. Now, credit to Marlene Stallings for going to the NCAA tournament two of the last four years. You know, and her one win against Wisconsin Green Bay is that one win yes. over the last nine years. So, sure, I mean, instantly they will sell tickets. Let's not forget, this is a program that has lost millions of dollars going back the last few years. When you factor in private travel with the airfare, when you consider Marlene Stallings making $500,000, not many people showing up, I'm just telling you, that is a program that has lost millions of dollars. It is a program that when it's riding high, maybe can generate some revenue or at least come close to breaking even. So you're right, Jed, I mean instantly they will sell hundreds, if not thousands, of season tickets. To me the key is hiring the right staff. Why it surprised me, and not a lot surprises me anymore in the world of sports, why I was surprised was I always had the sense that Lindsay wanted to keep playing at least one more year. And by this point, if with Lindsay taking this job, I mean, I don't see Lindsay playing a second year with the Lynx. This is it. Lindsay is is playing one more year with the Lynx, then she'll be all in on the Gophers job. I just thought Mark Coyle wouldn't agree to that. Like, July is one heck of a grind on the recruiting scene. July is so busy for college basketball so how does coaches. she do that? What ha- is it just a delegate to a, to whatever assistant staff she hires? I mean, I don't know. I mean, that'll be a question today at the news conference. I mean, Don Staley did it for like seven years. Yeah, I at mean, Temple. you hire the right staff, you know, and... Whatever the rules allow. I mean, that's another thing. There are so many NCAA rules yep. to navigate. You know, yeah. she'll be she'll be talking to the compliance office a lot, making sure, okay, can I do this? Can I not do this? But whether it's text messages, yeah. you know, being on the phone. I mean, heck, if the links are in New York, playing the Liberty, if it works out, and you know, it's one of those, you know, where you can make in-home visits or school visits. You know, does she have some time at noon on game day to go visit a recruit? You know, shoot around in the morning instead of taking your your you know normal afternoon nap. Go visit a recruit, then come back and play the game. I mean, she might have to do some things like
4: that. And didn't the Lynx uh, a month ago or so trade for a point guard from Phoenix? I believe who's yeah. going to eventually transition mm-hmm. so that she can become a backup. So I mean, th- this all sort of does make sense.
3: It does. She, well, I think she's it gonna gonna always f- made sense. Thirty six in May. That, yeah, I mean, she's not young. I mean, I think right. it always made sense well, whether she was taking this job or not or had interest. She's, but she's young. This compared was it. To me, Doogie. She's just not young yeah, for anything. Yeah, I know. Athlete. But I just, I think Let's... whether she was taking this Gopher's job or not, this was going to be it. Right. But she was playing one more year. Okay. On the men's side, Doogie,
2: so the Gopher men's team has now lost two top assistants, Kamani Young and Ben Johnson. Why are assistants leaving the program? And uh, tell us about, so Rob Jeter, tell us about the new assistant that came in here. What's, what's your read on that program right now.
3: Rob Jeter is a good hire. I mean, he is close with Jalen Suggs's dad, the star point guard Mini Minnehaha Academy that can name the university that he'll play for, class of 2020. Rob is close with Jalen's dad. He is close with Brian Sandifer, who runs the grassroots AAU program in town. Rob, when he was the head coach at Wisconsin-Milwaukee, recruited some kids from that AAU program. Going back and forth with Ryan Miller, who's Mike Miller's brother, who's an assistant coach at TCU, he used to coach at UNLV, so he still knows a lot of people at UNLV. Mm-hmm. Ryan told me really good things about Jeter. Jared Nunes, who's a friend of mine, assistant coach at Baylor, he's heard good things about Rob. So from everything I can gather, Rob Jeter is a really good hire. Now, why are guys leaving? Well, Kamani Young is from New York. He's getting a raise. He knows Danny Hurley. I mean, you think about Beth Getz being in the UConn athletic department. You think about David Benedict. He used to be here. He's the AD at UConn. David and Beth had nothing to do with Kamani. I mean, they like Kamani personally. They know him personally, but this was all Danny Hurley, the new head coach at UConn, identifying Kamani, coming after him with a nice offer. And I can guarantee you, Kamani sees the writing on the wall. Is this a sinking ship? Is Richard Petino fired this time next year? You have to consider that. If you're Ben Johnson, trust me, he considered that. Then he gets a raise, he gets a new title, he's the lead assistant at Xavier. I mean it's that one's better program though. too. It's a one. That one that one hurts. I mean, I don't think people realize how much Ben did behind the scenes. How many relationships he has in town. Now Rob is recruited, Jeter has recruited the metropolitan area. Certainly Patino does his best to to formulate relationships, but I'm telling you Ben was the guy on that. I mean, put it this way, Amir Coffee is not a gopher without Ben Johnson. You know, you look at the three guys they brought in this year, were Kausher, you know, Oturu and Omersa. I don't know if all three. Now, I think Oturo had all sorts of interest in staying local, regardless of who the coach was. But I'm just telling you, I don't know if all three come here without Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson's fingerprints are all over this program. I'm just telling you. Maybe it's my bias because he's a friend, but they are going to miss him a ton. That is a bad bad loss. What what's the expectation like uh for Patino Pit- then? what's the what's the
4: minimum expectation do you think the Coil has for this program to uh to come back in 2018-19?
3: Well, I mean, be one of the 68 that qualifies yeah. for the NCAA tournament. That's I don't think that, that's, that's not that much to expect. That's tough. But uh-huh. best of luck. Now they have three scholarship <laughs> openings right now. So you can you can change the roster, heck in basketball with three spots, heck for next year they can change the roster right now significantly. You know, but Amir Coffee still isn't even shooting. That was a significant surgery he had on his right shoulder. I mean, he won't even start shooting and until he June. He will be tr- okay.
4: And he came back and tried to play, correct? Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, and he the wasn't supposed to, he wasn't supposed to come okay. back. Yeah. yeah. Well, he came back for the Ohio State game, and then you know, Patino went on the record saying he retweaked the shoulder. Yeah. That next game against Northwestern, Amir should have never been on the court. And trust me, there's stuff behind the scenes that's been occurring on that front. I don't think anything's going to big Scoops. happen. No, nah, but I'm just saying there's there's some frustrated people mm-hmm. on that front. I can just tell you. I mean, Amir just should not have been on the court on January 20th at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. He, just, he, he wasn't in a spot to be playing that game. So I'm just telling you, you know, Isaiah Washington, is he ready to be a starting point guard? I don't see the proof. You know, and and heck, I was on the Isaiah Washington man wagon as much as anybody, but I don't see it. it's what I'm getting at is they're looking for, you know, a graduate transfer that can be a point guard, that can come in and play right away. You know, and at that point, you have two other openings, you know, bringing some guys that can play right away, regardless of position. Who cares? You, you got shooting guard, yeah. small forward, power forward, the pressure's on. Now, Richard Petino has been reaching out to some people, some parents of players, claiming the ship is not sinking. That he still feels pretty confident about things, but yeah, I mean, heck, I'm just telling you, those two assistant coaches saw the writing on the wall. Maybe they, it doesn't happen, but but that Richard Pitino absolutely could be out of a job a year from now. Uh,
2: in fairness, like Ben Johnson, Xavier's a better program if you're getting more money
3: and a better, oh, better title. It's UConn's a, a better program.
2: So I, I think there's enough talent to get back to the NCAA tournament, can it all mold together? On the football side, i got to be honest, I'm rowing the boat as much as anyone. I love P.J. Fleck. I paid zero attention to the spring game last night, and I think a lot of people might have been in the same boat, so... What happened at the spring game for the Gophers, and what can we... Uh, wait, that was last night, right? That did happen it last was, night? I mean, it was supposed okay. to be tomorrow, but because of the <laughs> they re, of they snow coming. Yeah. yeah, I mean,
3: wisely, they rescheduled. You know, Wisconsin canceled its spring game. Iowa State canceled its spring game. The Gophers absolutely <laughs> wanted to get a game in. I mean, there wasn't a great solution, so the best they could do was, was they did play the game last night at, at TCF Bank Stadium. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, heck, again, we're talking about a program with a very low bar, so... Yeah, I mean, I think P.J. Fleck has a chance to to get this thing back to, to where Kill had it a few years ago, get yeah. to a New Year's Day bowl game. You know, I still contend that of the two divisions in the Big Ten, they are in the easier by far of the two. Who's our quarterback? Well, I mean, right now it's Tanner Morgan, the redshirt freshman. I mean, he knows the offense as well as anyone. He was a big-time winner in high school. I mean, he doesn't have all the physical attributes that you want in your quarterback. Also, keep in mind, you go back to whether at Western Michigan or last year, Kirk Scirocco's offense, P.J. Flex offense, they need multiple quarterbacks. The way the quarterback handles the ball, one quarterback is not staying healthy throughout 12 games. They will play 100% or 99.9%. They will play two quarterbacks by late October, early November. So you figure Tanner Morgan, the redshirt freshman, is one. Vic Viramontis, the junior college transfer, is the other. Keep in mind, though, Vic got here, what, January? Then it's... A lot of weight room time. There hasn't been a whole lot of time getting acclimated with Minnesota. Being a California kid, getting acclimated with just a school schedule. You know, not that he wasn't going to school at the JUCO, but it's it's another level up being here at Minnesota. So it's not like he's had a ton of time to learn the offense. I would say give Vera Montes some time. The kid that stood out last night is the true freshman from IMG Academy. He went to IMG Academy in Florida from. From southern Minnesota, though, his, his roots are in southern Minnesota, Zach it I mean, the kid should be going to prom this weekend or next weekend. And he's performing on the big stage of the spring game last night. Now in a perfect world as a true freshman, he is redshirting. Keep in mind, he's a preferred walk-on. So this quarterback that was really good last night is not even on scholarship. Now one day right. he'll be on scholarship. Right. Pittsburgh offered him a scholarship. He had scholarship offers. That's a credit. I mean, that's where P.J. Fleck is... It's fantastic. Where where you're rowing the boat, where I like him, he is a tremendous recruiter. He will get the talent here. It remains to be seen if they can coach that talent up, but he is going to get good talent yeah. here. But I'm just telling you, remember that name. Maybe not this year, but 2019-2020, Zach and extent right on doogie we got to get
2: to a uh, chris singleton here soon but people can find much more uh, janelle mccarville and jb bickerstaff on the scoop podcast this afternoon you can download that anywhere you would find podcasts so good stuff dude Thanks, you Dan. got it
3: and yeah with jb we got deep into i mean he was the interim head coach of the rockets just two years ago so That's he sure. knows james harden well he knows trevor ariza well he knows clint capella well although that roster from just two years ago those are the only three holdovers but, yeah, he knows the Rockets really well. He just played the Wolves on Monday. So, so yeah, JB's tremendous. Right on. Doogie with the scoop. Mackie and
2: Judd still uh, ahead here. Chris Singleton, Jim Brunzel on Andre the Giant telling stories. And it's a game show Friday from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Yeah. Mackie and Judd are back.
0: Man, that sounds good. On
2: 1500 ESPN.
0: Tonight, uh, before the game, I talked with G and say, hey, tonight I feel lazy. But you know what? I like that because I have to be focused all the time. So that's what I did tonight. I tried to, you know, use my three pieces attack the hitter. So that's what I do tonight.
4: All right. So Brios uh, talked about his outstanding performance last night, used the term lazy. Does he, I think he means that he felt so good that it didn't take a lot of on on his part in his mind effort don't you i don't seemed, i don't know what he does, the translation is he clearly, i don't think he
2: means lazy i no, think there's a translation but uh, i think
4: what he but i think what he's saying is is i was pitching so well it felt easy to me
2: cuz I, I think I, I, I think he almost meant that's like how it looked. tired maybe like tired before the game or hmm. i don't know it's not how and marty think. marty went back to it a couple times like lazy he goes yeah lazy but he wasn't smiling and she's like, well, maybe you need to be lazy for every star. There was it's a word that he interprets no. differently in it, his head. It. And he,
0: he did say before the game I felt lazy. I kind of took it as kind of kind of lethargic, oh, okay. and lethargic, a little foggy okay. and you know All I right. really had to, you know, get my head in and focus and
2: Yeah, lethargic is the word. That's I think Dave's right.
4: It looked effortless at times watching him pitch. Yeah. I mean it just K's. Yeah. 11 Ks, 5 looking. And, and like I told you, through five, he had faced 17 guys and had thrown 17
2: balls. Uh, that's amazing, yes. And, and and for the game, for a guy to throw 99 pitches and 73 of them strikes, the Twins as a team threw 127 pitches and like almost 100 of them were strikes last night. Brian Presley was lights out too.
0: And I think I saw Pat tweeting about it. I'll give him credit too. But his curveball is so bleeping good right now. Hitters are looking for that with two strikes and letting the fastball go right across the heart of the plate <laughs> yeah. for strike three. It's yep.
2: so it's such it's such a tightly wound breaking pitch that if you're not, you know, if you if you're not 2020 amazing vision or locked in, I would think it's hard to pick up. Like it's just such a tightly wound pitch. I think this is probably a little bit premature, gentlemen, but I think we should be the if we all agree here, I think we should be the first show in on it. If we're all in agreement, I'm ready to crown Jose Barrios as an ace. Caliber pitcher in the major leagues not like a future ace or a potential ace I'm ready to crown him as one of the and I I count 15 aces right now in the major leagues now There's like two tiers of those guys like Clayton Kershaw's on a different one than uh, than Jose Barrios He's no longer a future ace if you're gonna go if you're gonna look like that in and there's like a two or three inning blip There in game two and it was 20 degrees outside, but I'm gonna give him a pass on that.
0: Let's hit the music
2: Yeah it's been a while, boys. We're going to crown him. The Twins have an ace in not their since rotation. Vance, not since Ricky Nolas. Kevin uh, Correa? Jason Marquis.
4: Are, okay, are you putting the uh, the asterisk that was eventually attached to Liriano to him, or are we going with Johannes? Well, there, not, there's no
2: asterisk there. What was the asterisk that you're talking about with Liriano? Well, Liriano had. He just wasn't. I mean, he was an ace before the surgery, but.
4: Yeah, but then. It, but but what I'm saying is. Before are, the Tommy John talk- surgery,
2: Barrios is, is an ace. But then when he has are we talk- in two years, he won't be an ace. <laughs> are yes.
4: We, are we talking about the best Twins pitcher since Santana?
2: The best Twins pitcher since the, the 2006. Well, I mean, but 2006 Liriano or Santana, who, well, he, I guess he pitched in 07 for the Twins and then left. I believe that was the timeline
4: because I told you this is a guy I think that you should. He is worth paying to go see.
2: Yes, they haven't had many of those guys. No, they have not. Um, I think there are fifteen aces in the major leagues right now. This is very much debatable. Like you could split hairs on this, but Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, Max Scherzer, and no, I'm not saying Barrios is as good as Max Scherzer. I'm just saying like the to me an ace is someone that you would feel very confident in game one of a playoff series, and you say, you know what. I know you got Chris Sale, but we have Jose Barrios. Let's go to war. And maybe Chris Sale is favored, but it's Jose Barrios. Like, I think he's going to... It's premature, but we're going to we're gonna crown him prematurely. Chris Sale, Corey Kluber, Max Scherzer, Luis Severino. Uh, he's incredible. Steven Strasburg. So the Nats have two of them. Zach Granke. Clayton Kershaw. Madison Bumgarner, when he's not on the disabled list. Justin Verlander is back in that category. He wasn't for a couple of years. Noah Syndergaard. Carlos Martinez, Cardinals. Chris Archer is becoming a little borderline on that list now, the yeah. last couple of years, but like he strikes out so many batters that I put him on this list. Carlos Carrasco for the Indians, they have two of them. Mm-hmm. Jacob deGrom, Mets have two. Mm-hmm. And now Jose Barrios. The guys that are close, maybe used to be, but not anymore, John Lester, Jake Arrieta, David Price, Johnny Cueto. I take those guys off that list now. And Shohei Otani might be emerging. We have to see Encho Heotani. But I think those are the 15 aces in the major leagues right now. I think Jose Barrios is one of them. And if you disagree, I think you'll come to our side of the fence in like a month or two. This is not a fluke. He's This it's is just a like legit, I'd, filthy stuff, work ethic, it's everything.
4: I'd like to see a little bit more before I officially put him on that list, but it's not a fluke. He's going to be, if, if he doesn't belong on that list right now, he will. He's going to be that good.
2: I just, just want—I want to be the first say, one on the bandwagon until so.
4: at least as you you predict he'll, he'll have to have Tommy John and that that'll derail <laughs> the whole thing and he'll either he'll either miss the year and come back not the same guy or he'll miss the the year and the Twins will fall apart. Other than that, though, it's going to be great. I'd like to—I'd like to give it till July, but I I think I told you his progression makes perfect sense to me. He came up with really good stuff and he struggled and and you could tell that the stage was too big at the time. Then last year, he transitioned into, oh, my gosh, he is really good. It's going to take some time, but you could continue to see it, and it didn't feel fluky. The start against Baltimore, and what I watched last night, doesn't feel like there's any fluke to it whatsoever.
2: Uh, Hugh chimes in and says, can Judd put his money where his mouth is and pay for tickets when Barrios pitches instead of going to the games for free? Otherwise, stop I saying that. I'll pay to go see him. I'll pay you, to go see really? him. Write that down. Why does he hate league? me so much?
4: There's no reason for well, this. Well, you watch games for free. I'm, ma- But I'm Mauer-like. I'm Maurer like I come every day and give my best, and Hugh still hates me. Why? Why does he hate me? I've done nothing to Hugh. Maybe he wishes you had bilateral leg weakness. Or bilateral vocal cord weakness. <laughs> All <laughs> I do just is... just got fired. <laughs> I'm just like Joe. I mean, I just come here and do my best every day. Okay, okay, guys? Jeez. That's really neat. I don't understand why Hugh has to hate I've me. I've never seen you drink
0: a...
2: Glass of milk in your life?
4: I can't. Lactose. So you're not like Joe. I have I have lactose Actually, issues That's
2: the big. That's the most underrated part about Joe Mauer. He has a steel trap of his stomach a stomach if he's drinking that much milk. He's got a great digestive system. Chris Singleton. I don't know if he has a great digestive system, but he knows a lot about baseball, and he will join us next.
3: Please listen
0: carefully. Mackie and Judd now continue.
3: Let's go, people. Let's get it going on
2: 1500 ESPN.
0: On. Mackie and Judd are talking Twins now. Yeah with former player-turned-ESPN baseball analyst Chris Singleton.
2: Hey, let's uh, let's start right here. Let's pick up where we left off last segment. Let's bring our guy Chris Singleton into the mix here. Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. We, uh, we're premature on this. We're just kind of reading the tea leaves. Jose Barrios, again, was filthy for the Twins last night. Uh, his resume from first-round draft pick through lights-out minor league performances and showing flashes we think he is very close to, if not at that ace caliber pitcher stage with his stuff, with his work ethic. If first of all, your thoughts on Jose Barrios and if he emerges into that ace caliber category, how much does that impact your impressions of the twins?
1: Well, I mean, I think and first to say good morning, guys, uh, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, I, I look at him and you know obviously his mechanics are sound he's you know good looking kid he his composure out there on the mound in the way that he goes to work you know you you look and you're saying okay first round pick everything else when he came out in the draft and you're looking for um, the the numbers in terms of like you know big guy you know hard velocity everything else but you look he's six foot 180 and it's almost a little bit like Pedro Martinez in terms I think Pedro Martinez was thinner than he was at that age but He's not this big, overpowering uh, kid, but he seems to have a real understanding of of how to pitch, and he is learning quickly. I mean, last year, nothing to shake a stick at, 14 wins last year, ERA under four, Mm -hmm. and then you continue to improve out of the gates um, at at 23 years old. I mean, a couple things I was looking at, you know, seeing his ground ball rate has gone up about 6%, and, um, you know, the right-handers, this is ridiculous. Right-handers are slugging one twenty-eight. Wow. <laughs> Jose, oh it's, man! It's, it's and that breaking ball that he has. Um, it's you could argue that it's the best breaking ball in the game, um, especially right now. Opponents batting oh ninety-five off of it. So uh, you look at those things, and, and sure, even if he's not the ace, because again, he's still um, you know he's still growing into this, and to, and to throw him at the front of the rotation and, and have him post up every fifth day, perhaps against. Um, you know, that other team's best in, in many cases, and then the workload and, and everything else stress over the course of a season, I'd rather wait, you know, uh, a little while. Let let it just really organically happen like it seems to be. Doesn't have to be, you know, this year, but I would expect without question he's that guy next year out of from opening day.
4: Mm-hmm. Which uh, brawl did you enjoy more this week? The <laughs> Padres and Rockies, sir, or the Yankees and Red Sox? <laughs>
1: Well, okay, it's Judd, right? I'm, I'm, yes. We've yeah. not met in person, okay, so I'm getting an idea for the voices and names. Okay, so this is what I'll say, you know, especially for all the kids out there. Didn't enjoy any of it, but if I had to pick, if you made me pick. Yes, pick. I enjoy. You have to. Uh, I'd say that Nolan Arenado, um, that was pretty, yeah, that was pretty in- intense. I, I don't necessarily agree with the response, but when you look at what was happening it was for real because most times i mean what is it it's a little it's a kind of a hug fest out there and you know a lot of times guys are you know want someone to grab them so that then they can take it up to the next level and you know really you're really angry now that someone's holding you but <laughs> exactly this is a situation where it, situation <laughs> where it was fist i mean let's go and uh you know, the glove, I thought the glove toss by the pitcher was, pretty um, good. Pretty you know, was very yeah. thoughtful, very quick, you know, yeah. uh, didn't hit anything. Uh, but, hey, at least it was a, a pretty good effort. Nice duck by or not. Also, I mean, I think there were there are all kinds of uh, antics in there that were, were entertaining. Um, on the other side, you know, in Boston, it's obviously freezing cold out there. Joe Kelly throws hard. And uh, you know, if you're, you're Tyler Austin, you know, getting smoked right there, that's that's tough, but hey, you, you know, you could see at the end, you know, Joe Kelly's bleeding at the neck and everything else, so you know, you don't really, you don't really like to see it I think back when I was in a pretty good one um, unfortunately I wasn't in the middle of it but when, you know, White Sox and Tigers you know, uh, I think it was 2000 or something like that, but we had a pretty ugly one that that you know, it ended up two or three times we had benches clearing and there was all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, Robert Fick, you probably remember down in the bullpen at the, I mean, that was a pretty bad one. And, uh, yeah, you know, CJ Nikowski and I, you know, CJ is a pitcher for the Tigers. We were hugged up somewhere on the outside of the circle, you know, just kind of like making sure, okay, you good? I'm good. Are you good? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, that's kind of CJ and I don't really, you know, know, don't really have much of a relationship in terms of like we are never teammates or never really friends. We respect each other and we run into each other from time to time, but we are more connected by that event than anything
2: else. <laughs> just hugging awkwardly anything. outside of a brawl. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we were we proved to be the smart guys who knew they had a broadcasting career afterwards and they were going to do some television and so we couldn't get in there and and get all messed up and that that mess our opportunities. We were already struggling from that perspective anyway, from the looks department. So we couldn't make it worse by getting in the middle. I think my
2: favorite, my favorite recent twins brawl, uh, was, it really didn't turn into a brawl, but it was very unique in that the twins were playing at Comerica park. This is like 2012 or something. It was, it was like the second year of 90 lost seasons and Delman young was at the plate. And I believe, I think what happened is like Jose Majares for the twins, he's a reliever and he plunked someone with the tigers, uh, in the inning before that. But it was, like, completely unnecessary. So Delman Young gets up to the plate in the next inning, and retaliation occurs. And instead of charging the mound, Chris, Delman charges his own dugout to yell at Jose Mahares for starting the whole thing the inning before that. (laughs) That's great. That's awesome. Like, does that ever happen where, where, where a pitcher will retaliate, but it... But it wasn't necessary or, or the other way. How often do those conversations even take place one way or the other way? Hey, you shouldn't have done that. Don't escalate it. Or, you know what, this guy, hey, remember this thing that happened a couple months ago? This thing needs to, you know, be retaliated against.
1: Well, I mean, okay, so let's just think back as recently as 2017. Remember the Red Sox and Orioles yep. where Manny Machado slid into Dustin Pedroia. Mm-hmm. It was accidental. And next thing you know, uh, I think it was Barnes, someone, a reliever, throws uh, at the head of Machado and Pedroia's over there saying, hey, listen, that wasn't me. Like, he's telling Machado in the other dugout. Um, so you, that was the most recent for me where it was like, yeah, the you old know, player was not in agreement with what his pitcher decided to do. And for hitters, you know, I remember, uh, you, you know, when things like that start to, to fester, it's, it's always the superstar. So like Frank Thomas, or Maglio Donias. They were always the guys that were like, "Oh man, here we go because yeah. <laughs> they are going to be the ones targeted." And that's when I those were times where guys I really loved the fact that I wasn't a superstar. Yeah, so you're not going
3: to get a, yeah, I wasn't yeah.
2: going to be the guy. Yeah, they were going to come after me. They're not going to hit you.
4: <laughs> so so to to your point about these brawls and and getting to the outside, Chris. Uh, how key of strategy is that because baseball fights are weird in, in the sense that I don't I don't recall bench clearing s- situations in a- any other sport where you necessarily get as many wild punches so like right. you so like if you're on the wrong let, let's say let's say you get to the outside but you're on the third ring it hmm. seems to me that the that you can still get punched there. So, so what does the strategy have to be to get as outside as possible, so that some y- Yahoo who's just going to start hurling punches d- doesn't almost accidentally hit you right in the head?
1: But you find that find that familiar face, and it, it won't take long to find someone who's like, "What are we doing? What's going on? Like <laughs> this is." So you find that person, and you guys make a quick deal, and it's just like, eyes. like it." It's boom. All right, I got you. I'm grabbing you. I'm pushing you further and further away. You can put up a fuss, but here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna dance for a little while, and mm-hmm. you just sort of move it on out. I think, <laughs> you know, I've been closer inside, and that's where it was. It got a little scary, you know, that Tigers White right Sox deal, because you're you get if you're inside, and you know it's it's two pretty wild teams, or let's just say the other team's pretty wild. I mean, you can get punched in the head. Right. You, I mean, there were you get punched in the back of the head. You know, you get spiked. There, there were things that were happening in an brawl that was just like, whoa! This I, I don't. There are obviously are no rules when the bench is clear, but it's also like a street fight, and there's there's inside there like anything can go, and that's where it can get a little uh, a little scary, in my opinion. It's one thing if you want to go man to man and we're gonna we're gonna get after it. That's that's all good, but when you're could be you know in an altercation with someone face to face, and all of a sudden you get smacked in the back of the head by somebody. Um, you know, that's not that's not cool.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, Chris Singleton is our guest here talking twins talking uh, Major League Baseball brawls. So I feel like people were sleeping on the Mets before the season because they've just, you know, they, they fired a manager. Mickey Calloway comes in. Pitchers have been injured. But uh, we so we've we've been kicking Mickey Calloway's name around up here because Derek Falvey, the twin CBO. Uh, really loved him in Cleveland and he was even a name that kind of popped up a, a, a few years ago that uh, maybe the twins were going to look at him so I love Mickey Callaway with the Mets the Mets are off to the hottest start in baseball and they have Jacob deGrom Noah Syndergaard I mean they've got starting pitching for days is it possible that this isn't a fluke start for the Mets and uh, and maybe they're a team that should be in that contention mix all season
1: yeah it's it's very possible and when you look at the national league east i just had the mets and nationals last weekend so it was was a real good look of the battle that is going to be there for the nl east title um you know all season long and the mets they they are for real the biggest thing that's that's hurt the mets has been health and health and the decline of matt harvey but on the flip side they seem to have help back and the emergence of Noah Syndergaard of being the ace because it went from you know all the hype was Matt Harvey and rightfully so I mean he was nasty when he first came on the scene then Jacob DeGrom sort of you know in that mix Jacob was probably more consistent um and then he sort of becomes the dependable guy you know you can trust him DeGrom he could be your number one whatever and through that whole process, Noah Syndergaard's kind of just drafting off of all of them, and then gets catches his momentum and everything profiles for him as yeah, all right, you know, from head to to body, he seems to to put this together where he's your ace. So I thought, first of all, the manager the manager hires this off season of all of the candidates, at least even at the the ones that you didn't know about until the last minute that that came in. Let's say like Aaron Boone, of all the guys out there, Mickey Calloway, to me. I had ranked number one yeah. because of the fact of having done enough Cleveland Indians games and hearing Terry Francona oo and awe about how awesome this guy is. Me having my own conversations with Mickey Calloway and saying well, coming away impressed of like, wow, this guy's got he's got the goods. He's a leader. This this guy's he's got that that it um, to be the guy. And so I, I thought it was a great hire. Then you're also bringing in a manager that has – he was a pitching coach, and he was a pitcher. So the strength of your ball club is pitching, and you've got some studs that can be really good for a while. So everything was perfect there. The only thing was, okay, we got to get healthy. we got to get cesspitus, make sure those hamstrings are right. Michael Conforto coming back from shoulder surgery um, – and we'll figure out the rest. But they're playing—they're playing every aspect uh, of the game, every facet, if you will, um, really well. Even to down to the base running. Not a super athletic team, but man, watching them run the bases, which in, in large part is an attitude. They're even doing that well, and that's one of the things sometimes that can fall by the wayside, especially if a team doesn't have, you know, that extra speed, if you will. They kind of just. You know, give that over to. All right, we're going to hit our extra base hits and our home runs. But uh, yeah, very impressive. I I I think the Mets have almost as good a chance as the Nationals in win that division. I think the Nationals, you know, new manager uh, like Dave Martinez a lot, good guy, but still you know figuring out managing. He's got some personalities you know on that team, or particularly Bryce Harper and everything that surrounds him. So, and then just the Nationals, they are the Nationals. For some reason, it just. It's, I don't know. It, it's 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 hard to figure out with all the talent. So yeah, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a lot more fun than I think we anticipated coming into the year to watch that division.
2: Right on. Uh, great talking baseball, talking twins and uh, and awkward hugs outside of brawls with Chris Singleton. Good stuff, man. We'll catch up again next week. Thanks, Chris. Uh, okay, guys, my pleasure. Thanks. Have a great weekend. Yep, Chris Singleton from ESPN. I love ESPN Radio. I love those
4: brawl stories.
2: It's it's hilarious. Uh, Yeah, him and CJ Nikowski, both a couple of prominent baseball commentators. They're both very good, too. Yeah. Uh, We still have a game show and some United FC tickets to give away between now and 1 o'clock. We're going to catch up with our friend Jumpin' Jim Brunzel, and he has Andre the Giant stories that he's going to tell us in about 15 minutes from now. If you missed the Andre HBO documentary, it's incredible. You're going to be snowed in this weekend. Find some time. Carve it out. Uh, when we come back, let's let's talk some wolves here for a few minutes when we come back here. Wolves and Rockets this week. I'm Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It is going to be fun.
4: There's to going to be fun. Mackey and Judd. It's not always going to be easy. It could cause plenty of angst. On 1500 ESPN.
0: Save the day. The fourth annual Town Ball Classic returns to Target Field Saturday, May 26th. Presented by 1500 ESPN and the Minnesota Twins. The day kicks off at 10 a.m. at the Class C game, followed by Class B. And, of course, Class A as well. All games broadcast here on 1500 ESPN. Tickets are 10 bucks and good for the entire day. If you want to make it down there, proceeds from the event will benefit the Twins Community Fund. For more info or to purchase your tickets, head to 1500ESPN.com, keyword events.
4: And hopefully by that time it stops snowing so they can actually play baseball. Yeah, um, yeah they, This is gonna be bad. This is awful. Awesome. It's already pouring outside. This is yes, very, very depressing, very glum outside. Um, Wolves question for you, and I, I actually broached this subject with you when we were at the uh, uh, Hawks game a few weeks back in the uh, TCL broadcast uh, booth there at the Wolves game. If you are Tibbs, and and he won't do this, I'll start by prefacing it with that. But if you were Tibbs, would you consider against a team? like Houston which is which is going to beat you probably in four games maybe five would you consider altering things on offense to get Carl Anthony Towns outside as much as possible because the Rockets the problem is this you're going to work your butt off to score two points and then the Rockets are going to come down and shoot threes they shoot on average Phil Mackey 42 threes a game they're going to make a bunch yeah your best three point shooter i believe is Cat Yes, he is. So if you were Tibbs, would you consider getting creative and altering things up from your normal scheme to make sure that he can get as many three-point shots as possible or at least give you a fighting chance to to utilize that skill as frequently as possible in a series where if you don't do something, you're good, just going to get beaten in four games?
2: I'll answer it this way. I think there's two dynamics that need to be... Uh, and Matt, Matt Thomas, the voice of the Rockets, who joined us like two hours ago, alluded to this. I think there's two things that need to be accounted for much more than they were in those four matchups in the regular season. Number one would be closing out defensively on the Rockets three-point shooters. I'm getting to your, it's a roundabout way of answering your question. All right. Closing out faster on those Rockets three-point shooters. And this is where a guy like Gorgie Jang defensively, like he's lean, he's tall, he can rebound and all those things. But if it comes down to Switch, switch, rotate, rotate, sprint over here to grab the guy in the corner and get a hand in his face. Is Gorgie Jang gonna be the best guy to play in that situation? Um, and there might be another guy or two out there. Like this is where Derek Rose actually has a better chance of getting a hand in a guy's face if the wolves are all if they're all in defensively as much as they can be. You might have to play some unconventional lineups, go a little smaller, get a little quicker. That's my point. Yes, and just defensively to get a hand in someone's face, right? Because yes. It's not like you have to account for if you were playing the Pelicans and they had and Boogie Cousins was healthy, and you just don't want to get dominated inside. Well, you're going to put big men out there. Uh, so, that's one thing. You got to close out. You can't just let they're going to hit threes, and it's going to be a discrepancy. Like they're just going to dominate you in that regard. But can you make it? Twenty percent less painful by putting a hand in in a face on a regular basis. To your part of the equation, to close that three point gap defensively is is one way. Mm -hmm. You definitely can't go in and just like give up thirty to forty extra points from beyond the three point line, which you which you really you did in those regular season games. So if there's a way to get Towns, I think Towns in general should just take more shots. Like he's he's averaging the third most shot attempts of any player on the team behind Andrew Wiggins and Jimmy Butler. Like I'm fine with Butler shooting. Butler's a good player. They're not Wiggins. So, the the most drastic thing I would do, and this shouldn't be drastic, it should just be a strategy that you implement on a regular basis. Town should take 20 shots per game in this series. Not like contested shots, like scheme him to get into advantageous situations. Some of those should be threes. Yes. So he averages 14 shots a game, Wiggins averages 16 shots a game. Towns averages three-and-a-half three-pointers taken. Uh, uh, Wiggins averages four. There's a 10% difference in their make rate, so it's incredible. This is the series where Wiggins needs to be all-in defensively, and he needs to defer more on those shot attempts, unless they're like point-blank at the rim if they're in spots where, where it makes sense for him to take them, corner threes, you got to feed Towns offensively, and as part of that, to your point, mm-hmm. he should be taking threes as well. Like he and he is like he's ta- like I said, he's taking three or four a right. game. It should probably I'm, be more like six or seven per game, as long as they're open looks. I'm but saying, that should be a concerted effort. I'm, you got to close the gap, and
4: I'm saying come out with a scheme that the Rockets don't necessarily expect
2: which is amazing like they that the fact that an opposing go, team wouldn't expect you to feed the most efficient I, offensive they, player in the league is ridiculous he, but yeah
4: but but if you came out with with a scheme that called that called you to run plays th- through him and on x amount of those plays he's outside they wouldn't expect that and i just if if you if Tibbs defaults to his strategy, if he just says, well, we play like we play, so we're going to... You're you're done in four games. Well, t- You t- might win one, but I'd I don't like like think you
2: do. I mean, teams definitely know that he's going to be living outside to some degree, because the guy takes a bunch of three-pointers every night, so it's not that they wouldn't expect him to be outside. I think it's just that you have to take what you've done already with him and just beef it up. Like, he should be taking more shots. When you're that good and that... Eff- he has a better, effective field goal percentage, which includes... Not only your field goal percentage, but where you take shots from, right? It's like volume of scoring and how efficient you are. Yes. He has a better effective field goal percentage than Kevin Durant and LeBron James. He should be treated that way on offense by the Wolves first. Yeah, plays. By the Wolves first. Plays should go through him. Yes. Um, But yeah, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this because Derrick Rose is mostly an atrocious defensive player, but if it comes down to just needing guys who are quick enough to get out and put a hand in someone's face, a a guy like Derrick Rose, you might have to tap into him. You might have to tap into a Derrick Rose defensively oh, in the Tibbs would, <laughs> would love
4: to do that. Are you kidding?
2: Yeah. All right. Let's switch gears. We are going to play a game show. We're going to give away tickets. We're uh, Minnesota United tickets. We have other things to give away. So look for that in the next hour or so.